What's up, everybody? Welcome to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. How are you doing? Hey, how you doing? Doing pretty good myself. All right. What do you want to talk about today? We got to break down. I don't know. There's we not much still, to talk about. We still haven't broken down the Columbus game, the cardiac slash comeback, kids comeback. You know what? That game. Okay, I I believe off the where were we talking? We were talking about a couple of episodes ago. We were talking about how it's like a toxic relationship, and I was starting to get sucked back in. Yep. And then I think you were too. It's like well, I'm fully back on board. I'm fully back with the Calgary Flames right now. To start that podcast, I was like, I'm not I'm not yeah. falling for it. I've been hurt too many times by these guys. <laughs> but by the end of that podcast, we switched. But I was still. Whatever. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally. I'm, I'm fully back. You're fully back. Yeah. I'm probably. I'm not fully back. They've sucked me in. That but Columbus I, game got me back to being like. I think I'll die for this team. I think throughout mm. all this up and down, it's just really sobered me, into the fact that yeah. we are what we are. We're not as good as we were last year. We're not as bad as we played for most of the season. We're somewhere in between. I think we're a playoff team. We're starting to turn our stuff around right now. Yeah. So it's, it's, I believe. I do believe. I will say that. Yeah. It's weird because I feel like in the dog days of the season, when you're in like December, January, and you're sucking ass, it's so hard to remain calm. But now that it's like there's there's like a light at the end of the tunnel and it's possibly playoff time, I feel like now it's like everything's good. Yeah. For the most part. I don't know. Like the thing is it all signs point to that we're trending up. Yeah. And we made it through. Listen, some teams trend to suck ass here and miss playoffs. Historically, some teams trend and surge late in the season, but they're they're coming out from the bottom of the standings, and it's too late. We were able to keep our head above water the whole season, even though we sucked ass. We've been able to keep our head above water over a racist coach incident, our best defenseman collapsing on the ice. I mean, what else happened? Something else happened. You may want to asterisk Johnny Gaudreau has been... Terrible. You may want to asterisk that with Why? your best defenseman this season. I said this season, right? No, you just I, no. TJ Brody, best defenseman this season. I mean, we've had Giordano's been hurt. Monahan and Gaudreau have not been the, their regular selves. It's like we've overcome so much shit this year, and we've come through it relatively okay. So I'm fully back in love with this team. It <clears> helps <throat> that the Pacific Division is probably the weakest division on Definitely hockey. helps. Definitely helps. Well, it's so funny because you texted me something somebody tweeted the other day. It's like, Oilers fans right now are like, the Oilers have 80 points. They're Stanley Cup contenders. But the Flames have 77 points. Won't even make the playoffs. Won't even make the playoffs. And crazily enough, if you check the standings as of right now, the Minnesota goddamn Wild are in a playoff spot. That's insane. Well, you saw it coming probably three weeks ago. They went on a bit of a heater. They got themselves back in the race, and they had game. They've had games in hand. You saw it coming. I like the Wild. I've always liked the Wild, and I I said they'd make the playoffs. I still I still think they're gonna have a tough time of it. Like cause they're only in by one point. Vancouver's got a game in hand. So you think they will make it? They they seem Oof. to be trending and surging right now. I mean, there's still like 15, 14 games left. The thing is, is like I don't know, man. They're in the same position as Calgary, where it's like it's their spot to lose. Yeah, you just have to play good hockey from here on in. Win a handful of games. I would say it would be it would be like a bizarre world if Edmonton, Calgary, Minnesota, Vancouver made the playoffs and Nashville, Winnipeg didn't. 
but it's, it looks like that's probably yeah, what's but it's going to happen. It's just nuts. Because Nashville so is, is starting to fall back now. Winnipeg's starting to fall back now. Good, I don't know, think these guys can keep pace. Dude, it's good. I'm gl- You know what? Nashville needs to miss the playoffs because they need to learn a lesson about doing dumb shit. Like signing Matt Duchesne right? to a huge contract. P.K. Subban. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's the Arizona Coyotes in the mix as well. The last team there. Tonight we'll, we'll be telling. If... Like a win, a regulation win against Arizona tonight, pretty much puts enough separation between you and them that things are looking good. Yeah, I would agree. All right, let's talk about that game. That was a good because it was a weird game. Let's go back to this hypothesizing because you and I have been right about a lot of things this season. Things that we've been wrong about are like small things. We've been right about Minuscule a lot of cool things. We've been right a lot about big things. Yeah. One <laughs> of them, this prediction of the team will balance themselves out in the second half. Namely, Monty and Johnny will resurge. We'll see them turn things around. Johnny has been our best player the last, what, 10, 12 games? Oh, 100%. He's been great. He's been great. He's back. Like, one, totally back. And I mean, he still he still leads the team in scoring, as far as I, as far as I know, right? Like I think he still is at the top. And he, points, he's been point per game for the last twenty five games. Lindholm's got the most goals. But what? I know I know people are like, how many points does he have? He's got fifty. He's almost got sixty. I think he's got fifty seven points. That's pretty. That's pretty on. Like it's gonna be so low. He, he's it's gonna be on the lower end of his career. He's probably on pace for what seventy. He's probably gonna get 65, 70 points, which is still he's probably lower, on pace. But that's but still he, career average. But he may just surge. Yeah, we may see him surge here. Anyways, the point I wanted to make is that we were talking about this last week, going into this home stretch, because the tail of the season so far is you've been excellent on the road. Do we have the best home record? The worst sorry, home record. Sorry, the best away record. We definitely have one of the best third away best. records. Yeah, I know it's the best record since January or something like that. It's probably like third best on the road. We're twenty fourteen and three, so it's not quite as good as you might think. It's actually the exact same away record as the Oilers at home. And you know what's weird? We're not even as bad at home as I would have thought. Fifteen, twelve, and four on home ice. Twenty fourteen and three away from the ice. Yeah, it's that third quarter. The third quarter of the season, we we lost like five in a row. Yeah, so it's not like we haven't been good on home ice, for sure, but it's not like we've been dreadful. So it's it's, it's funny how those narratives kind of get going, right? It's like, oh, they've been so good away from the Saddle Dome. It's like they've won five more games, but they've also lost two more games away. Yep. So, But I bet you if you look at, you know, being the best road team since – January or whatever it is, yeah. And you compare their home record to to that time, then you really see the. the, the well, I think the stat that is like the most mind boggling is like David Riddick hasn't won a home ice game since December twelfth. Yeah, like holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's mind blowing. And mind you, there's like how many starts has he got? And there was the break. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. So it is a little inflated, but still, like holy shit, he hasn't won a home game in twenty twenty yet. It's just not so. Bringing it back. Last week, right, the story was, okay, you got 11 of your last 15 games at home. Therefore, you should be in good shape. However, they've been so dog shit at home. Maybe it was better for play on the road. But much to my hypothesis of they're going to turn it around the second half, Monty and Johnny are going to, like, 
what I said last week is that they're going to turn it around here at home in these last, well, we have 10 games now, and they're, they're going to be good going into the playoffs. Now, I also talked about this. Remember, we were, we were doing the pregame live. I remember. <laughs> I remember. I remember. We were doing the pregame live for Columbus. Yeah. And I said, look, this always happens. I don't mean to Don Cherry you right now, but. Don Cherry me. Don Cherry What are you right going to do to me? <laughs> I'm going to call you <laughs> some, some racist. No. The main thing is the that first home game coming off those road trips are usually tough. Usually you you have it's like you it's so easy to lay a stinker. Yeah. Right? And so on the live I was like all they got to do is keep their feet going throughout the first period. Try not to go down more than one goal. If you can you know that you're not going to be able to keep your legs against against them in the first period just because of the whole long road trip yada yada thing. So if you can Stay within arm's reach. By the second period, you get your legs going. You're probably the better team halfway through the game. By the third period, you should be able to force your will upon the game. It didn't necessarily play out exactly like that. But similarly. Similarly. Yeah. And I think the biggest the biggest thing is like when you're trying to turn a tide of momentum, because just like in every game, it's all about momentum shifts and momentum swings. And I always talk about this, how when you're getting hemmed in your own end, hemmed in your own end, hemmed in your own end, this team seems to be unable to break that momentum that the other team is generating. You, and this is what I've been saying, is typically when you do it, it's a giant hit. Even if you have to put yourself out of position momentarily, it's worth it to break that momentum swing. But we haven't really seen that. So just like how there's a micro momentum swings in games there's macro momentum swings during out throughout the season so right now you have you're trying to bro- break a negative momentum swing of like losing at home stinking mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. and in order to do that it's always it never just happens it's always like you have to push through the toughest points there's a threshold you have to get over a hump that was what we saw against columbus yeah they did it. They totally did it. Because they were down 2 nothing. Everybody that has Stockholm Syndrome from this following this season all year long. I, I know I turned it off. I had stuff to do. Mentally checked out, quit. Yeah. Like, fuck, this, fuck these guys. Abusive relationship, yada, yada. <laughs> but they hung in there. They made it 2-1. Mangiapani to Lenholm. Mangiapani, that, that play starts with him. How much? How many plays in the year? Start he is with him? ferocious. He is he's, ferocious. He's excellent. Did you see? Did you see that? He's getting some accolades. Yeah, uh, from, Dmitry Filipovich wrote a wrote yeah. an article about him today on ESPN. Yep, getting the credit he deserves, man. Getting the credit he deserves. You make it two one. Now all of a sudden, what was it? Nine minutes left. Ninety minutes. Nine. Oh nine. <laughs> <laughs> There's nine minutes left, and everybody's like, well. Let's see what happens. Yeah, because if you watch, like, if you're like me and you turn it off, I turned it back on again. So honestly, I saw Lindholm scored. You watch them, and I was like, I, I think they're gonna tie it up here because they were pressing. They're playing good hockey. They sure shit did. Matthew Kachuk 
big goal. Matthew could clutch to clutch. I can't say that. What a beautiful goal. And by the way, thanks again. <laughs> this you time, told- Kelly Rudy. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks for ruining it, Kelly Rudy. Why are they so obsessed with that weird shit? That went off Arensky. It went off. It's like, it's like, okay, does anybody remember the, uh, well, does anybody remember? Everyone remembers the Jordan Eberle Team Canada World Junior Goal. And it's like, Gord Miller, call of the lifetime. He's like, Jordan Eberle scores. Can you believe it? And you just let that moment play. If you're a if you're a good broadcaster, but fucking Pierre Maguire oh, fuck. has to shit all over the moment. So Gord Miller, everybody knows this 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 happens. Everybody scores the tying goal. I think it was like 08 or 09, with like five seconds left versus the Russians. Gord Miller's like Jordan Eberle can scores. Can you believe it? And you're supposed to let that let it play. And like Pierre Maguire's like I can't believe it because I believe the John Tavares. I can't believe it. it ruined the moment. <laughs> Broadcasting color 101. Let the moment play. Kelly Rudy. I don't give a shit if that hit Wierenski. Let the moment play, my guy. When Rick Ball says Matthew Kachuk scores to tie the game, let it play. Cassie Campbell. When especially, Michael Backlund scores an end and goal, let it play out. Especially when you're not even sure. I exactly. think this one's coming back. This one's coming back. Backland scores! This one's coming back. This one's coming back. Hit the hit the glove. Rick, hit the that looks like a win off a player on the bench, Rick. Just let it play. Anyways, sorry, First I off, just had to point that out. Rudy, what are you looking at? Yeah, I don't know what he was looking at. If you're looking at just physics alone, if Wrensky tipped that, it's not going to go where it went. It's not gonna also, go if, if you're looking at how Kachuk reacted. And then, that's the other thing. Watch how Chucky reacts. Watch how Wrensky reacts. Did Renski yeah. hang his head or be, look up in disbelief like, no. holy fuck, I tipped in my own net? No. Did Chucky go fucking bananas ballistic like he just fucking scored an unreal top goal to tie up the game? Yes! Why do we have to give these broadcasters tips on broadcasting? Anyways. And then overtime. Like, I mean, that's classic. That 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 is Calgary Flames. See, and, and this is like... When you're talking about this whole microcosm thing of like you need to turn a tide, this is just it's a carbon copy of life. You're not getting any fucking handouts. I don't know if you if anybody hasn't recognized this yet, but you don't get any goddamn handouts. It's taken me like ten years. I've completely wasted half of my life, but now I know. Yeah, we've been waiting for a handout. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in order to turn the tide, like it takes mental fortitude. And that game had it, for me at least. Totally. Well, <clears throat> because not only do you tie it up, you put yourself in the position to win. Now, to me, that's like they're at the summit now, and they need to do the final push to where we get over the hump down to the other side. And we sure as shit saw that in overtime, didn't we? Totally. What an entertaining like, overtime. What a great overtime. And I mean, what a great shift. Like, I know Brody scored the goal, but I mean, relentless work by Gaudreau and Monaghan on that goal. If you're. Like, relentless. Goudreau's work behind the net there. Dude, he's like... Like, not only he's... Okay, obviously he's shifty as fuck, but he's outsized. Outstrengthed. Oh, man. There's two guys there. Outmanned. Comes out from behind the net. Yeah. How did Sean Monahan not bury that? Dude, I thought that was in. The light guy thought it was in, too. Oh, really? Great save by Corpusello. Corpusello had... He, a, he was hell, He was great. He had an excellent game. Oh, yeah. He was There nuts. was also something of interest, too. We talked about this on the live yesterday. And I know you missed it. 
but Chucky and Corpus Allo got yeah, into they got it into it a bit at about the eleven minute mark, two minutes about before Lindholm tied it or scored the first goal. I don't know, might have had a fabric of the game, man. Might have had tough. a might have had a factor because here's the thing, and I wasn't even really scared about Corpus Allo. I just kind of knew we'd get to him because he's not he's Corpus Allo, man. He's good, but he's not Bobrovsky. Even though Bobrovsky sucks, he's not Mark Andre Fleury. He's not. Carter Hart. It's not Carey Price. Yeah. Where when he's on top of the game like that, he can maintain it. Yeah, totally. Like, you just just tell. So then, overtime, your boy. My boy. I'm shocked. I didn't didn't think it went in, actually, at first. I'm shocked, A, he got a shot through. (laughs) B, that he hit the net. Yeah, I thought it missed. And C, that he got it past the goaltender. Like, I'm still floored. What is Two going games on? in a row, TJ's got goals. Is TJ possessed now? It was, it's funny because what you and I are noticing is a trend. When we start bashing players publicly on social <laughs> they media. They come out. Like we are yeah, rip- I never bash. I never rip Brody. We were hardcore ripping Backlund. Yeah, we were ripping him all season. And we went real hardcore like a week before he broke out. Yeah. And then... Um, it seems like every time I go out of my way, even though I always rip on Michael Stone, it's like this seems the times that I specifically go out of my way to show how much he doesn't belong in the NHL. He, like, scores somehow. It's funny, eh? And you were ragging on Brody. Well, all I did, all I said was, I wonder if he started aiming for shin pads, he'd get it through, through guys. Anyways, like, a real... <laughs> That's pretty good. That's... He does suck getting shots through. Like, there's no denying but then he scored, That's the And then he scored two goals, so, I mean... Yeah. But, I mean, a great play by Gaudreau, by Gaudreau there, because he tried that sharp angle shot that... He tries all the time. Which was close to going which in. Which is close, but then he retrieved the puck, too. Yeah. He shot it, got it back, wiggled his way out, got into Monaghan. And Great then job Monaghan, Monaghan. Like, Monaghan, Corpus kind of had that. Monaghan was a dog on a bone. He was a dog on a motherfucking bone right there. <laughs> and then great job by Monty, and then Brody buries it. And I mean, that's what I, I didn't understand. Like, we've said this a few times, but sometimes, like, the when, when fans and, like, people on the fan 960 and people are like so critical of the team it's kind of confusing to me it's like because i on the fan especially and then i think some fans i don't know a lot of people are like oh that was a terrible game they were so lucky to win that game well we talked about this a bit on the live yesterday yeah and we know what reference did i use it comes back to this whole thing of like when you're trailing Things always seem worse than they are. It's skewed. Yeah. The game is skewed. Your your mindset's skewed. It's like when you're down 2 nothing and Gaudreau tries to make a, a move or Chuck goes between his legs, you're like, you fucking idiot. What are you doing? I hate you. Never try that again. <laughs> Fuck, sports are funny, eh? I know, right? So, but not only that, you have had to deal with this whole abusive relationship this toxic relationship with this team we've had all year yeah. of these ups and downs ups and downs and the downs man those games where they like they don't even show up yeah and so even Elliot Friedman in the first intermission was like he was sitting there he was shocked I think I said to you I'm like or I don't know I said to somebody I was shocked the first 10 times I've seen this out of this team I'm just used to it by now but I did have a different feeling I even texted you. I'm like, they're coming back. Yeah, like, again, like, I don't understand. Like, it's it's funny to me that, like, so many people were, like, mad about, like, this game and the Nashville game. 
They're like, how could you blow that Nashville game? It's like, we played incredibly well in the Nashville game. We dominated. We didn't. We played. We pretty much dominated the Blue Jackets for 45 minutes. Like, we outshot them 37-22. We got more high danger chances of them. We own possession. Like, Johnny and Monty and Lindholm were like, over 90% possession. I don't know what else. What And he came back from like a 2-0 hole to win a big game. Well, I don't know what. How, how can you really ask for much more? The thing like, is. The criticism is, is just kind of odd to me. The thing is, is when you've, you've been burnt so many times. Yeah, I guess. You feel like you're going to get burnt again. So you can't help but. You can't help but look at the game through a different set of eyes. It's just like when I look at that game. Like you said, it was more encouraging that game. Like I think a lot of people are like, "Ooh, they bought, they played an AHL team." Like Nalt was having a fit on the morning show about AHL team, and they barely beat them. It's like play- I thought there was a huge. I thought they played it- great and battled back, and it was a it was a momentum building, encouraging win for me, anyways. So yeah, I don't know. They do have out. a lot of injuries, but. But they still play that John Tortorella, like, mucky, oh. dragging out in the mud style. And the thing is, is they got great goaltending. Their defense is still pretty good. It's solid. not like all their guys got hurt at the exact same time and these guys are just getting called up now. Yeah, and it's I not... Mean, the, the, the guys that, have, that are filling in the holes from the AHL team, they've been playing a lot of NHL games this yeah, season. it's like, there's no easy outs unless it's this, Detroit. This team... Which is a makeup of a lot of AHL players has got them into a playoff spot. Exactly, this still late competitive, right? So I don't buy the oh, it's an AHL roster. The Flames barely beat them. I thought the Flames had a rough first, and ba- again, like it's, it's so funny. Like if it, if this game had been at a last season, it would have been like oh, wow, the Flames they always stick with it. They, they come back, stick yeah, with it, true. come with it. But it's like the fact that we've just We've seen them underperform a bit this year. When they do have a strong performance and battle back, we're like, we have this weird bias about, oh, they just barely won and lucky to win. Yeah. It was like, wasn't really the case. So I think, what was it, in the second? Like, I mean, for Columbus has more points than we do, for Christ's sake. In the first intermission, I had, I, I was still. You um, really believed we were going to win. I really, I was like, all they got to do is do this, and they have to do it. Like, they, they, they're, yeah. their back's up against the wall. I think the reason why. I said to you, they're coming back. I just kind of had a feeling. Because what other choice do they have? You're this late in the season with where the standings are the way they are. You don't have have the choice to not come back. Yeah. So it's like, it's either they don't come back or that's that's kind of it. Like, we're kind of done here. Exactly, right? And what I thought was so interesting. Because coming back to this whole, like, they needed to turn the tide on home ice. Because if they didn't come back in that game and turn that tide... Maybe they don't turn the tide at all on home ice. Yeah. And their season's done. Great so it's kind of like their back's up against the wall. It's like Sun Tzu, Art of War. When you deliver your soldiers onto the front of wherever the battle's going to take place, you burn the ships behind them so they know there's no way. They're not going home. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I mean, I also thought it was pretty interesting that your five top performers by game score and probably your best players on the night were your best players. The top line in Lindholm with Joe Monahan. Oh man, you posted that thing on on it like that was they were great, ridiculous. They're they're over ninety percent Corsi and how, expected goals. How often do you see that? Very rarely, like for anybody, I like mean, no one. And then the Gio perfection and Brody. line, maybe. Yeah, seriously, 
And then Gio and Brody. So your best players are your best players. And I think that was a for me at least. Anyways, that was a that was a huge win for me because it right. kind of has got me back on track with this team. Let's do something interesting. Let's go further into that because we talk about this. We're trending in the right direction. We're starting to hopefully surge here. But if you look at all the things that aren't going wrong anymore, and also look at all the things that are going right. I mean, the biggest kind of only question mark you still have is, is your defense tight enough? Because defense and goaltending probably, right? There's still a bit of a question mark with, with Forbert and Gustafson. Yeah. Well, but go- yeah. How are they? How are their numbers last on their first home game? First home game? I think they're, uh, Forbert was okay. I don't have it in front of me, but Forbert was fine. I think Gus got exposed a little bit. Which I think, if you just were watching, I think that's kind of, that kind of checks out, right? What I think we'll start to see is those two will will start to play better as well, um, because they would have been victims of the team on the wrong side of turning the tide. But now that we've turned the tide, I think everybody's going to clean their game up on home ice. And yeah, I mean, I mean, Gustafson was sorry to interrupt you. Gustafson was like he was okay. He was a little leaky defensively. Forward had an okay game though. Yeah, but I think that's what we're going to grow to expect from Gustafson. So for him, it's just going to be a matter of he needs to be that much better offensively. Sorry, my bad. I was looking at the wrong. I was looking at the wrong game card. Forbert was. They were. They were both pretty meh. Not terrible, but like pretty average in their own zone. So okay, because coming in, we looked at Gustafson's numbers. He was comparable to Hannafin in his own end. He's like Hannafin, except worse defensively, pretty much. If you look as a summation of his underlying numbers, which if you're being compared to Hannafin, if you're worse defensively than Hannafin, it's a bit of trouble. Right a bit there. of trouble. Yeah. So, but we, the bonus to Gustafson is that he has a higher ceiling upside offensively than yeah. Hannafin, on paper, anyways. So, that's what we're going to see from Gustafson if he's going to want to remain yeah. in the lineup. Well, I think and I think playing him on the third pairing, that's fine. If he's just getting some ozone starts and playing 13, 14, 15 minutes a night, it's totally fine by me. But I do, you know what? I am kind of, I've been a little underwhelmed with him now that we've seen him play four or five games. I thought he was good against Boston. Yep. But I guess we haven't had very many power play opportunities either. So that's the biggest thing. I think he's the type of guy that's going to get more and more confident offensively yeah. when he gets more and more PP totally. time. Yeah. He just had, we have, what we, we've had, we like, had like five power plays in like six games. I don't know what's going on. Like since Gustafson's come here. Yeah. Well, how many do we have against the Blue Jackets? Just one. So we had one against the Blue Jackets. We had the one against the Panthers. So that's two in two games. Like that's kind of weird. Like what's going on against the Predators? We didn't have any. We've got two power plays in the last three games. What's going on there? Yeah, and I think. And even if you go back to the Boston game, we had three. So we've had like four. We've had five, six power plays in four games. What the hell? So I think you'll start to see if if Gustafson does kind of break out a little bit. It's gonna be with with that power play time. I think. Yeah. And is he still on PP one that we know of? He was. Yeah. Yeah, for the last power play, anyways. Which I understand. I uh, I posted some stuff the other day after Kent Wilson brought it up, and I was like, "Yeah, Geo is like pretty much far and away much better on the power play than Gustafson." As far as getting shots through, yeah. As far as pretty much everything, creating scoring chances, scoring goals, getting shots through. I un, but I understand that it's like 
I would be more inclined to leave Geo there if the power play has been deadly all year. True. Yeah. But it's been dog shit all year. I'm yeah. totally okay to switch it up for a few games. So yeah. I, I don't have a strong opinion on that. I think you'd prefer to see Geo there and then roll Han- or Gus on power play too. But at this point, the power play has been meh all season. I don't mind switching it up. So yeah, you not gotta, a big deal. You got to see some sort yeah, of Yeah, not a big up. deal to me. And then again, if, if that's what it takes to get Gustafson producing offensively, I mean, that's that's an investment, right? And then I think the biggest question is, like, because apparently Hamannick is skating, non-contact jersey. Where does he fit in apparently when he gets back? Apparently he had a contact jersey. Oh, really? Morning. Oh, shit. So he's probably back within the next week or two. Oh, I would think so. I think you might see him midweek next week or late, maybe next weekend. My only concern is that they're going to go back to he and Hannafin after Hannafin has been so good with Rasmus. Yep. I was looking at all of Hannafin's, most of Hannafin's underlying metrics have improved markedly since being with Rasmus. Surprise, surprise. Well, you got to think that they're going to see that too. I hope so, but I don't know. Because it's like on the morning show, they're talking about it, and Wills was like, oh, he'll probably go back with Hannafin because those two have been so good together. It's like, no, they haven't. They've been terrible. And Rasmus and Hannafin have been almost, it's been. It's a perfect fit. for yeah. Han- If you're going to have anywhere for Hannafin to play, it has been a perfect fit. It really has. So I would not screw with that. Like the easiest thing to do is just put Hamannick with Gustafson, and I know that scare that scares me a little bit, just because if Gustafson is like Hannafin but worse defensively, it could be a worse duo. It could be a worse duo. But I think if they're playing on the third third pairing, I think it's the it's going to be less less of an issue. So I think that's probably the what's going to happen. I yeah. hope that's what's going to happen. What about um? No, you think they would ever go with? Hamannick and Gustafson, or sorry, Hamannick and Forbert, and sit Gustafson? Uh, I don't it know. It seems I, kind of a waste. I mean, I think it'd be pretty weird. I'd be I'd be kind of bummed. I'd rather watch Gustafson play than Forbert. Well, but especially I, if, if he's part of that PP, they're not going to do that. But. Yeah, I'd be shocked. So I'd, I'd be pretty surprised. So if Hamannick comes back, basically, Forbert's your seventh D-man. Yeah, and then Michael's done shot to the moon, and Shillington's probably sent to the minors. For the playoffs. Yeah. Playoffs? Which I don't mind, like... I know I shit on him. Would you rather Hamannick not return? <laughs> kind of. Like, that's what somebody said to me today. Well, he was like, what thing. if we just scratch Hamannick? Hamannick, yeah. I think that's true if he's going to play in the top four with no yeah, Hannafin. There you go. But if he's you, on your bottom you, pairing, then, then you'd rather have him. Yeah. How, I mean, I he's, think a great, he's a great bottom pairing guy. Yeah. I like, think that's seriously. what's been made clear. And I mean, like, we've been watching Mike Stone play 20 plus minutes. And it's like, holy shit, do I miss Travis Hamannick and his terrible defensive ability? Yeah. Because it's like, okay, he's below replacement defensively, Travis Hamannick, but he's nowhere near as bad as Michael Stone. So I, I think if – exactly. If he's playing on the bottom pairing, you absolutely welcome him back. But if he's playing in the top four, come on. Don't do it, Jeffrey. Don't do it. You've got to think they're not going to do it, right? Well, that's why – because you got to think that they're not going to do it makes me think they will. Yeah, probably right. And anyways, I think the other question mark right now is goaltending. Obviously, I think I'm in the I'm gonna place the goaltending, and when I say goaltending, I really mean David Riddick. Yeah. In the same conversation that. Yeah, I don't mind. With that. a few more going. nights off, because I think, listen, I've been standing up for him throughout this, this little downward, whatever you want to call, it, he's having. I think there's more factors to it than he's just not playing well. Yeah. He was playing lights out until he got fatigued. You could notice 
he was getting fatigued. I said this on the live yesterday. The guy, when he started to fatigue and his game started to falter a bit, had played more NHL games than any other starter in the league. More minutes. And I'm talking starters that like, have played multiple seasons in like the NHL. Price. Like Price, Anderson. Yeah. These guys that are used to playing heavy workloads yeah, totally. in the majority of the games. Yeah. David Riddick in his first year as a starter, the guy that is questioned about how much of a workload can he handle yeah. in the past, he like you're just and playing night after night after night. After, and then even when Talbot starts to like play lights out, you still start going back to Riddick. Like the, I don't like, I feel like more than anything that's fucked with his game. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Right. And then the other thing about that is like team defense. Yeah. I mean, how many nights in the first, you know, 45 games of the season where we're like, they're going to hang their goalies out to dry again. Well, and again, like we mentioned this yesterday too. It's like why Riddick had to, Riddick was the one who played the majority of those games when Ham, before Gustafson and Forbert were acquired. And he's, Michael Stone is playing 20 plus minutes in front of Dave Riddick. Yep. When David Riddick was playing his, his worst goaltending of the season, it was in front of Michael Stone. Second pairing, Michael Stone. Before, like you said, before you got forward and Gustafson. Yeah. Second pairing, Michael Stone in your top. David four. Riddick had to play with Michael Stone, Oliver Shillington, and Brandon Davidson getting like huge minutes. So there's another factor. So I'm not buying it, um, and I feel like he'll be fine as the team starts to turn the tide at home. As will he. Now, it'll be interesting to see how how Ward gets him back into it. I like the decision tonight. They're going with Talbot again. I think it's the right one because yeah. if you look at the, the two opponents, Arizona and Vegas on Sunday, obviously Vegas is the better opponent. So if you play Talbot tonight, that sets up Riddick nicely for Sunday. I would definitely start him Sunday unless Riddick is or sorry, unless Talbot is just a phenom tonight. But, but then you just kind of, I don't know, you take it game by game. Yeah, I think you do take it game by game. But I think this is a perfect opportunity to do two things, which is win some games with Cam Talbot while he's playing well and rest David Riddick. 100%. Like, that's why you're playing Talbot. I'm, I don't think you're playing Talbot, at least from my perspective, because you're, oh, Talbot's the guy now. It's like, no, he's playing well. And Riddick has been overworked all season. This is this wasn't supposed to be a 1-2 yeah, no. Duo from the start of the season. But, they, tr- but they treated 1B. it as such, right? Oh, yeah. Like, if they had been tandem all season, I don't think we'd be seeing Riddick struggle as much. I agree. So, like, why weren't you playing tandem all year? It's nice to see, and we're, we'll get to this. Let's look at all the things that are seem to be clicking right now. Because one of them is Jeff Ward's finally figuring out how to fucking get the starting goal tender He's learned. I'm learning. I'm learning. Even though Sam Bennett's still on the fourth line. Hi, Bradley. Hi, Super Nintendo King. I'm learning. (laughs) All right. Although Sam Bennett is still on the fourth line. Okay. But I don't know. Like, where are you at with that? (sighs) It's kind of annoying. Where I'm at is. It's just. I get it. Ryan is a very effective player. I think it's more about Lucic than Ryan for me. What do you mean? Like, he should be in Lucic's spot. Sure. Or he should play center. And like, I don't think moving Ryan down, I think you leave Ryan on that line, but you either put Bennett at center there or on left wing and move Lucic down. There, the love affair infatuation that this organization has with Lucic 
Well, and again, like, how many goddamn times have we said this? He could do the exact same thing just as effectively, if not more so, on the fourth line. And I think for the Sam Bennett thing, it's more like... It's more me, like, wanting wanting the organization to finally put this poor son of a bitch in a place to succeed than anything. Like, I don't know if putting him there over Lucic makes you a better team, makes your third line better, but at least to me it signals that they want to make a little bit of investment in this guy. <laughs> right? I don't know. I'm a Sam Bennett fan, and I know he's not been great, but I don't know. Well, I mean, the other thing is, like, you look at who he's played with his yeah. career. Has he ever played with elite players? No. I mean, he gets a chance for 60 minutes. And he's one of those guys. He's literally like a dog. He gets a little bit of confidence and encouragement. He's like exactly so much better. <laughs> Anyways, we've, we've talked about that quite yeah. a bit. That this organization has really failed him, in my opinion. Big but time. All right, things that are going well. You got Gio returning. How goddamn good has he been since he got back? He looked okay for me that first game. Then he he's falls been, it up with three assists. He's, he's been really he's, good. I, I tried to see where apparently he got a piece of that pass over to Rensky for the open net in overtime last game. Oh, did he? He was all alone with a wide open net. But apparently Gio got it off a whatever Mark Gio, defensive well, play. Whatever Mark Giordano is on, I want some of that shit. Stem cells? Seriously. What's going on with that the other day? He must be. He must be. You got Gio back. Brody's playing, he's contributing offensively. He's been outstanding defensively all year. Hasn't done a lot offensively. Starting to contribute offensively. Monaghan, Goudreau are playing like your two best players. Lindholm's almost at 30 goals. The 3M the line three still M line. The Benji re- Penny is the awesome. Re- the resurgence of the 3M line 2.0. Manji Apani is coming into form, rounding in the form. Well, I thought this was interesting. I was looking at some five-on-five puck retrieval stats. I've got it pulled up right now. There's really only two players who are very excellent at recovering pucks. Andrew Manji Apani leads the team in recoveries per 60 minutes. Derek Ryan. Derek Ryan's the other one. Two smallest guys. Yeah. Well, they're in Goudreau, but... Goudreau, he's more of a zone entry guy. But Andrew Mangiapane is ferocious on that puck. The guy's a beast. He's a beast, that little shit. A beast. So what else is going right? You've got your top two lines fired. I think you've got you, your top you, fin- you finally found a pairing in Hannafin and Anderson that works for Hannafin. Those two balance each other out. And the reason why is Rasmus is so smart defensively that he can see blemishes... And errors and mistakes that Hannafin's about to make before Hannafin even sees him. Yep. And he's in right in the right position. So you finally found a you finally found a partner. Not finally, we've been saying this all year. You've consistently played Hannafin with a partner who compliments him and makes him better. Your GM actually fucking did something for once at the trade deadline, actually made your team better defensively on the back end. Yep. Plus you have Hammond coming back off injury. I think he makes this decor better when he's in the lineup. You just got to be aware of where you slot him. He slotted appropriately, yep. It seems like Jeff Ward is starting to stop be quite as big of an idiot. He's not juggling the lines every two goddamn seconds. He actually put the Gaudreau line out the other night against Columbus when they needed a goal. 
It's funny. And they scored. It's funny what happens when <laughs> Jackson this. Yeah. It's funny what happens when you don't have Milan Lucic and Tobias Reeder as your extra attackers with 90 seconds left. You actually score. Interesting how that works, eh? Every time I'm, I'm ice surfing and I watch the end of a game and a coach calls a timeout, I let you know about it, don't I? <laughs> yes. But ever since, and good on Brackland, that's Joe's true leadership. Yeah, totally. Went to Ward and told him, look, get me off the wing. Put me back at center. I suck on the wing. And then shortly after that, Monaghan, he went to Monaghan and Gaudreau and asked him, guys, what should we do? Bring Lundholm back on the line. Ever since then, your top six has looked excellent. Literally, that's, it's literally that, it's not even, it's, it's beyond, it's like a perfect correlation. That was the change that led to this turnaround, period. That's it. You can mark it. Wasn't I suggesting you go and talk to Johnny Gaudreau months before this? Sure were. Fuck! <laughs> so, the fact that he's not juggling the line... The only line juggling he's doing right now is is switching Sam Bennett and, and Ryan. Occasionally. Which is fine and you know what? Me. I don't even I don't even mind hey. how the lines are right now. It's... You know what? I don't mind the bottom... The bottom six. I would much prefer Reader in over, like, what would you do otherwise? Like, the fact that we haven't seen Zarnik is pretty mind-boggling to me. I don't really get it. Well. But, whatever. I think I know the answer why. Brian Burke mentioned something in the first intermission the last game. Yeah. Which, by the by the way, is nice to have a, we, what, what broadcast, what, was that Sportsnet? Is it a, it's not a CBC broadcast. Oh, it's a uh, like a regional? A regional broadcast yeah. on a, what was it? On a Thursday, Thursday night? Wednesday on a Wednesday night? night? Yeah. It's 6.30. Maybe that's why. Well, isn't Wednesday the national game? That's, that might have been the national feed. I guess that's what yeah. it was. It's, it's nice having a... I mean, As opposed to having some random ass like... Break from Cassie and Eric Francis. Yeah, and like Colby Armstrong breaking the game down. I don't mind Colby, but... Anytime I don't have to listen to Eric Francis, good yeah, day. Yeah, I'm totally... There's nothing worse than when they cut to those locker room hallways and Francis is down there spewing oh, his bullshit and I gotta look at his disgusting neck. <laughs> <laughs> Popping out of the stupid suits he wears. Anyways, go on. Brian Burke said about Zarnik. So, he didn't mention Zarnik. It was implied, though. Well, yeah, it was implied. Basically, what Burke said, he was referring to this team versus last year, why they're so much different their home struggles, blah, blah, blah. And the one thing he just said that really registered for me was that they were a skilled team last year, but they were small. In the offseason, they got bigger. So they said they got the same amount of skill, but now they're bigger. So he thinks they're better. Sure, so whatever. if that's... That's the mandate. If that's Brian... Brian Burke knows what's going on in this organization. So... To me, that's that, probably why. To me, that explains Zarnik. why we haven't seen Zarnik. You guys, who would probably come out if you don't, if you, if Zarnik's out, or if Zarnik's in there? Well, I don't probably. See why, why wouldn't you take Reader out? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the one thing I don't understand. But Reader's bigger, yeah. like an inch. Anyways, that's the one thing is like I, I would really like to see Zarnik up, but I actually don't mind. I don't, I don't. Of all the guys who are on the roster right now, I'd prefer Reader in over Ronaldo for sure. I, at, at least if you're going to have a fourth-line plug, at least he's fast and, and is a decent possession player, at the very least. So I still think he can do better. I do too, but it's it's not like they've got... It's not like they've got Kevin we a line of Kevin Westgarth, Brian McGratton, and Matt Stajan, so... 
True. All right, final thing going right, Cam Talbot, which will bring us to the other side of things that aren't going great. Obviously, the whole Riddick scenario, but I honestly think that as this team turns at home, so will he. I got, I have, I don't have any concerns with Riddick right now. I honestly don't. I'm like, I'm this like guy, slightly. I'm just like a little bit, and I understand that. Because it's been a small sample size from what we've seen with him in his career so far with the Calgary Flames. Yeah. This could be trouble. But we've also seen the alternative, which is that he can bounce back no problem. Yeah. I think he's going to be fine. I think, honestly, he needs more rest. He's a fucking team that is committed to playing defense in front of him. Yeah, I agree. I'm just like the sl- I'm just like a slight bit concerned. If he had been like absolutely rock solid all season, I'd be like, yeah, this is just a blip on the radar. But he has been kind of up and down this year, so I'm just I don't know. We'll see. I'm, it's not like I'm worried, but I'm not like convinced that he's gonna come back into like perfect form. Like I could see a scenario where if you make the playoffs, game one Talbot starts. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I still think that regardless, you're gonna see both goaltenders in the playoffs. I don't disagree with that. Now, the other things to watch out for, not necessarily going wrong or going bad, but we, we got to at least get better at. We've talked about this a bit lately. The third line could be our Achilles heel once again. Yeah. Because the fourth line was excellent last year. In, the Majipani, Ryan, yep. <clears throat> Hathaway line. Even in the playoffs? Yeah, they're great. They're the line, best line in the playoffs. Third line of Jankowski, Bennett, and Neal. Ugh. Really hurt us. Yeah, big time. So we've seen flashes of brilliance from that third line. But they've been really inconsistent. Yeah, and in the last handful, they haven't been great, so they need to turn it around. Yeah. And then I would like to see more from the fourth line. Yeah, I think it'd be nice if they, like, score some goals maybe. Chip in. Do something. Chip in. And I'm I'm still a little worried. I realize it's, it's a luxury to have a fourth line that is responsible defensively and a good possession line. But I'm still a little freaked out, like we said this last week, I think, about Jeff Ward's insistence on ma- purposefully matching them up against, like, the Bergeron line. Can you imagine we go into a series against the Oilers and Jeff has Jankowski, Bennett, and Reader match up against Dreisaitl and McDavid line in the if they're dying, playing together in, in like, the dying, dying seconds? Like, I can't think of something that would make me shit my pants more. So that's a little concerning for me. It's my prediction... I've said this before, I'll say it again, that he will fuck us. Jeff Ward it, will fuck, he will we'll do that, and it will fuck our season. It's going to be the And end. I don't want this to be misconstrued. That will lead to the end of our season. Why? I don't want it to be as misconstrued as, I don't trust that line, because I do think that is a good fourth line in terms of the, in the fact that they are good defensively. That's one part of Jankowski and Reader's game that is, you like about them, is that they are responsible and good in their own zone. But again, like, I don't want, I don't want to be going out of the way to match them up against the other team's top line. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Especially when you have last change or you yeah. have, or you have whistles. Like you, you have literally things. have one of the best shutdown lines in the league in the Backland Kachuk line. And like like come on. <laughs> could you at least call a timeout so we know you know what it is? Seriously, has he called a timeout since he's been the coach? I don't think so. I think one time against LA. And there's been like five times where you're like, why is it, why didn't yeah. he call a timeout? Why didn't he rest the top guys? They're buzzing. Instead he goes with Lucic and Ronaldo for the last 65 seconds. All right, looking forward here. We got the Coyotes tonight. Vegas, all home games. Vegas on Sunday. We got three days off. Should be well rested and ready to go for the Islanders. 
on Thursday. It's so weird. I was going to say, we haven't played the Islanders all year. We play them two times in a week. That's what they do now. It's so weird. With the Eastern teams. They try and get them to play them within like a week or two of each other. And then Winnipeg before going out on your on your, East, your New Eastern York. seaboard roadie. So, I mean, one game at a time, obviously, but, man, a, a, a win tonight's huge. A win tonight, <clears throat> I think, yeah, I think if you collect three out of the next four points, you're in real good shape. For this weekend? If you collect, if you beat Arizona and Vegas. See, I'm at a I point. don't want to say you're a lock, but if you win these next two games, like, you're probably a lock. I'm at a point now where I'm like, get four. Yeah. Because... Yeah. You're kind of clicking, like we said. You got all these good things going for you. you just turn the tide on home ice. You can't follow that up with a loss. You continue that momentum with another win. You take that into Sunday's game against Vegas. Get an early lead on them, and that's a statement game. Yeah, for one hundred percent. And they they're without Stone, their best player. So because probably the one the one kind of like asterisk you could say about this little streak they're on is that well they've kind of been playing a little bit. Less quality opponents, Florida, Columbus, you know. Well, other than Boston. Tampa, I guess Boston. Nashville. Maybe pretty... a loss in Nashville. Yeah. But. but here's the thing. If you win these next two games. You're looking good. Are you not now vying for a first place for a Pacific Division berth? If you win two games in a row, right now, one of them against the Vegas Golden Knights, I think you're definitely in the conversation of, of challenging for the Pacific Division. Which honestly would be pretty huge. You're five points back of Vegas. Yep. So then you're right in the conversation. You're right in the conversation. 